Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Kliss's Mic Drop. This is our Week 17, Game 16 edition. And no, that is not the final week of the NFL regular season. One more to go. They expanded from uh, 16 games to 17 this year, the first year. Some records may fall. Cooper Cup, I think, is going after a receiver record. That's probably the most prominent uh, of the records. Travis Henry, I think, would have had a real good shot at uh, breaking Jamal Lewis's, uh, or Eric Dickerson's, I should say, uh, rushing record till he got hurt uh, seven games into the season. Still got 900 and something yards. Boy, what a year he was about to have. Um, lots, lots, lots going on with the, with the Broncos, good and bad. Um, let's start with the, you know, uh, as we get rolling here, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, whittle down its, um, its candidates from 26 semifinalists to 15 modern era finalists. And two people of note from around here, DeMarcus Ware, a Bronco for the final three years of his career. He was a first time eligible. He's among the 15 finalists. And Tony Baselli from Boulder Fairview. Um, offensive tackle, didn't have a long career with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he had a successful one. He is a finalist for the sixth time. So DeMarcus, I think uh, most people thought he was a first ballot guy uh, when he retired. And Tony Baselli, after six uh, times in a row as a finalist, he's overdue to go in. So good luck. First of all, congratulations to those two players and good luck and becoming uh, one of the five Hall of Famers. They're at 15 now. Five eventually get elected on the eve of uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, COVID has reared its uh, ugly head here in the last week for the Denver Broncos. Kind of started, uh, the Broncos had, had had players testing positive off and on for the last two and a half months. But starting last Thursday, uh, they, had a, they had a couple. They put three on it, including Lloyd Cushenberry. And losing Cushenberry, I think, was huge in that Broncos loss to the Raiders. They couldn't get the uh, running game going. Cushenberry is the quarterback of that offensive line. He kind of identifies uh, uh, you know, the, the defensive box, um, the mic. Uh, he does a real good job at that. And uh, he's a pretty good blocker uh, also. So I think they really miss Cushenberry in the run game. Austin uh, Schlotman, you know, it was his first NFL start at center, so uh, you can't expect a whole lot from him. But here this past week on Monday, Mike Purcell, uh, Jonathan Harris uh, were among those who tested positive. But because the CDC, the Center of Disease Control and, and Prevention, uh, lowered the quarantine period from 10 to 5 days, and the thinking there is that Omicron, while highly contagious, is not as serious uh, or not as severe as some of these other strands like Delta and whatever it was that they had last year. Last year, they just called it COVID, right? Uh, so um, anyway, and not as severe as that, although I've talked to some people who uh, it, it has uh, thrown them for a loop. They've been very, very sick. So uh, it's different, it's different from, for everybody. Uh, but um, because they lowered it from 10 to 5 days, Cushenberry, who tested positive last Thursday and probably would have missed the deadline by a day, um, he will be, he's already back. He was back uh, Wednesday. 
Uh, Mike Purcell, who tested positive on Monday, five days, gets him back on Saturday. And then um, on Wednesday, in the last uh, in a 24-hour period, Wednesday and Thursday, the Broncos had eight players test positive for COVID. Uh, Tim Patrick, Bobby Massey, Bryce Callahan, Caden Stearns, Stephen Weatherly, uh, those guys, uh, um, Calvin Anderson is on IR, and then a, a couple of uh, practice squad guys also, including uh, Tyree Cleveland. But those are the big ones. Uh, um, Patrick, a starting receiver. Massey, a starting right tackle. Callahan, a nickel who plays 80% of the snaps. Stearns is the backup uh, safety. And uh, Weatherly, a backup uh, outside linebacker, plays about 25 to 30% of the, of the snaps. So Broncos, those guys will not be cleared in time for the game Sunday against the Chargers, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, but Cushenberry and uh, Purcell are back. We had our interview this week with Malik Reed, the Broncos' fine undrafted uh, third-year outside linebacker. He has five sacks. And then he got hit with COVID himself, and he was out a couple weeks. We talked to him about that, especially in light of how the uh, virus has become more uh, prevalent. Uh, the Chargers coming up. Uh, the Broncos, if uh, you don't know, here's their, here's their deal to make the playoffs. To avoid missing the playoffs for a sixth consecutive season, the Broncos have to win their last two. They have to beat the Chargers in L.A. this Sunday and then the Chiefs at Empower Field the following Sunday, January 9th. And on top of that, they need seven other games to go their way. This week, they need the Rams to beat the Ravens, the Browns to beat the Steelers, and the Titans to beat the Dolphins. Okay, those are the three that they have to have, plus the Broncos have to beat the Chargers. Um, John Madden, the great icon, um, broadcaster, coach of the uh, Raiders, as Tom Jackson said in the 1977 game in Oakland, not today, fat man. A memorable line. Madden, a terrific coach, a terrific broadcaster. Um, he had, of course, uh, the Madden video game that every player today uh, has played at one time or another. My sons have played it. I never. I think I played it a couple times, and that was it. Uh, I'm not too good at the video games. Uh, once you get past uh, Pac-Man and um, and the Asteroid game, and uh, and I wasn't any good at those either, but. Uh, that's uh, that's the situation. Uh, uh, our best to John Madden. I I talked to John Madden uh, a couple times at uh, the owners' meetings. Uh, you know they'd have him at the Breakers in Florida. They'd have him at the Biltmore Hotel in Arizona. Those are the two uh, primary places. And I was working with the Denver Post, and I'd do these takeout type stories uh, about a certain trend going on in the NFL and. John would be in the hallway, and I'd approach him, and he was always very accommodating, very nice, always had a sense of humor, uh, laughed when I tried to make a joke, and uh, just, you know, to me, he was a good man. I, I had limited interaction with him personally, but, of course, uh, as a TV viewer of the NFL, uh, I knew him quite well, and also as a football fan uh, back in the 70s and uh, late 60s, I knew him uh, quite well as an excellent, excellent coach. Great, great uh, coaching record. I think his average record in 10 years with the, with the Raiders was roughly 10 and four. Uh, Might have been, um, and then of course they switched in, in 78, they switched to a 16 game season, but he retired I believe in 79. So he would have only had one year at the 16 game season. 
but I do think 10 and four was his, was his average record. Um, might have been a little better than that. But uh, anyway, we talked to Malik Reed, and uh, we will uh, come back on the other side to talk about the upcoming game with the Chargers, a little bit about what happened with the Raiders. And um, Vic Fangio is also another story here. As we go, come down the stretch, will they keep him? Will they not? I invite you to go to 9news.com and look at my story. Uh, basically, the, the reasons to keep Vic Fangio and reasons to not. Um, it's probably going to be George Payton's call. Joe Ellis will be there too. Um, but Joe's going to be leaving, and um, you know, sometime after March. And uh, uh, George is going to be here another f five years. So uh, you know, George is the guy that has to feel comfortable with his head coach. So it'll be mostly George. And um, we'll talk about that on the other side. But for now, our conversation that we had with Malik Reed this week. Malik Reed, welcome. How you doing? Let, let's start there. How you feeling? I know you had the, the COVID deal uh, a couple weeks ago. How you feeling? Uh, definitely doing a lot better. Uh, yeah, I was able to get over it. Uh, it took a little while to get over it, but uh, once I did, I was feeling a lot better. So I'm doing, I'm doing good, man. Could you kind of tell the fans here, Malik, because uh, as you know, COVID hasn't gone away and it hasn't gone away from the Broncos. You guys have been dealing with it uh, big time here this past week. Uh, did you have the Omicron uh, variant that they talk about? Was that what you had or do you know what you had? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one I had. They didn't really, really specify. I just knew I was uh, positive, but they didn't specify on what it was. Okay, and then just kind of tell us what you went through, and did, were you fatigued coming back? Because I was reading where Tyreek Hill was, he came back off COVID, and he was exhausted uh, this past uh, week's game. Yeah, um, I wasn't, I would say, like, coming into the game, like, it took maybe, like, a series before I was able to, you know, get my win from the game. Like, I was running and stuff uh, before the game, actually before the Bengals game, because I, I thought I was going to be able to be back for that. So I was running a little bit, and um, but being able to go out and, and play a game against the Raiders, uh, it took like that, that first series to uh, get that, that game win up. And then like throughout the rest of the game, I feel like I, I felt a lot better um, as far as like being able to, to go longer in the series and, and uh, have that stamina. Well, we saw you pursuing like you do on the other side of the field. Uh, you're one guy, if you're lined up on the left side uh, and, the, and the play is to the other sideline, you're chasing, and uh, I've, I've talked to you about this before. I've never seen anyone with more unbridled joy after a positive play than you do, which, if you know you off the field, is a little surprising. You're about as laid back as it gets. Yeah. You, get so emo you get so emotional uh, during the game. What, where, is, where do you get that switch uh, once you're between the lines? Oh man, this is something that uh, people have asked me uh, really since college and and uh, you know high school, and uh, I just I just tell them man once I hit the field you know it's like a different person like you said off the field you know you know the nicest probably the nicest person uh, you know like you said even kill you know um, and uh, at times soft spoken I like to you know have a good time I like to joke around but you know easy going I would say. But uh, once you get between those lines, it's just like that, that mentality switches. And I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's where, you know, where I came from, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, where I came from, uh, Dothan, Alabama, you know, it's real, especially football is, is cutthroat, you know, down there. You really have to, you know, get it. And um, 
I feel like that intensity, that aggression, you know, it just it became part of who I am. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, I just like I just love to carry that into you know each and every game. You know, I, I enjoy playing the game and you know have a a love and a passion for it. So, you, uh, fans just get a, get a chance to see that you know when the when the lights cut on. And what I like is uh, you you share that joy and and that positive spirit for your teammates. Like I think you were more happy for Bradley Chubb after that interception and in return than he was. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I I talk you through that play like. Um, cause we, we, we knew it was a screen, like once, once they snapped the ball and, uh, once I, cause I was running towards the running back and I heard everybody say, Oh, I, I thought he had like batted it down. <laughs> and then I see him taking off the other way. I was like, Oh, he picked it off. And, uh, man, when I see him running to the end zone, I'm like, go, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and the running back ended up catching up to him. But yeah, man, I, I, you know, enjoy being a part of a team, you know what I'm saying? That's coming together for a common goal. And I, like you said, I'm just excited for my teammates as I am for myself, really, because the ultimate goal is to win. And I know it takes, you know, everybody on that field, all 11 players, um, both sides of the ball, offense and defense, special teams as well, you know, to win a game. And that's that's the ultimate goal. That's that's what we go out there to play for. So I'm I'm just as excited for anybody else that makes a, a play as I am for myself. And that was huge for Chubb to to make that play. That was big time. It led straight to points. And uh, yeah, he's just that type of player. Uh, these final two games, I know I know you let a couple games slip away, and and you're you're now in a position where you need all kinds of help. Uh, plus, winning your final two in order to get into the playoffs. What's your mindset about it? Uh, you need to win the final two, and seven games have to go your way. Are you are you going into it that uh, hey, still got a chance? No doubt. I, I feel like every every chance we take, uh, we take that field. We we go out to to win a game. Like I said, that's that's us as competitors and competing at you know the highest level you can do it at. That's that's our goal every time we step out there on the field. So. I feel like that's the mindset is is to this the next one coming up and and we need to win you know what I'm saying uh, just as as any other game you know what I mean and that's how we're I feel like we're approaching it and uh, yes we're just looking forward to you know having the opportunity to go out there and have a chance to win the game so yeah that's really the focus right now is to win. How about playing Justin Herbert? You guys have played him well the last couple seasons. He's a scrambling quarterback. He's going to get his runs. How does it change for you? When you go against an athletic quarterback like Herbert, you just have to really, really be disciplined. Disciplined in, in your rush game and making sure you have eyes on him. Because, like you said, uh, once he, you know, feels feels pressure and you know he's not really seeing much down the field, he will take off. So you know we know that going in, and we've known it, you know, from playing him, you know, this year and last year as well. So we have to be really disciplined in our rush, but still continue to be us and get and get after him. Like you said, we've been able to, you know, get pressure on him and and get back there to him and make him uncomfortable. So, you know, we're going to continue to be ourselves, but just make sure we have a, a discipline against him as well because, you know, he's he's a great player. Really, the uh, Malik, I don't know how much you pay attention to the outside noise. I'm sure you can't avoid it, but uh, these final two games, a lot of talk is going to be about uh, your coach, Vic Fangio, whether he comes back, uh, uh, whether they let him go. Where are you with uh, Coach Fangio? Because I know you guys kind of broke in together. You were an undrafted rookie that he gave uh, he gave a shot to. Um, you know, I can't I can't speak for you know what the front office is gonna do. Um, my goal is to you know go out there and and go play uh, play to win, and that's that's all you know my focus is on right now. And I let the you know front office handle those things. 
And uh, finally, just to the people out there uh, with this COVID kind of spreading, they, they say it's highly contagious, Malik, but, um, but it's milder, milder than the previous uh, virus forms that we've had. Um, what would you say to the people out there as someone who just uh, went through it? Any advice you'd give them? I say um, continue to uh, follow the guidelines like, uh, you know, CDC and make sure you, you know, wear your mask and, and stay socially distanced because, like you said, COVID is still out there. Uh, the pandemic is still going on. And even though it's, you know, a, less, a lesser of a, you know, I guess, a virus or the effects of the virus, um, it's still important to make sure, you know, that you're not only taking care of yourself, but you're taking care of the people around you as well. Um, because you, you don't want anybody to, to get it that has, you know, whether some pre-existing conditions or whatever, and they come down with it worse than you have. So it's just all about, you know, taking care of yourself and taking care of the people around you. Well, Lake, you're a gentleman, and I, I know you won't be on Sunday for three hours, but you're a gentleman to us, and we appreciate you stopping by. Stay healthy. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you very much, Malik Reed. Um, like Malik, a nice man. Uh, boy, does he turn it on uh, once he gets between the lines on Sunday for three hours. Uh, plays with a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, but a very kind, peaceful soul, laid-back soul um, off the field. Uh, from Alabama, you can detect that uh, southern charm and, and southern accent that he has. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know Malik Reed since he uh, broke in as an undrafted rookie three years ago with Vic Fangio um, in the 2019 season. He basically made the team with the very first preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons uh, in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Remember that, 2019? Pat Bolin went into the Hall of Fame that year along with uh, Champ Bailey, and uh, Malik had a heck of a game. He, he, uh, he flashed among the subs that uh, played in that game. All right, Broncos uh, should have had the win. You know, the Raiders tried to give the Broncos the game. Three turnovers, Broncos committed none, and the Broncos still couldn't win the game. Their only offensive touchdown, a one-play, one-yard drive. I mean, just pathetic offensive performance. They couldn't run the ball. Drew Locke uh, did well. He was maybe a hair slow on the trigger on, on a couple plays. He had some big drops. Um, the Jerry Judy drop... On third down, it, it, it kind of hurt there, but it really didn't hurt because what happened there is the Broncos got a field goal out of it, and then uh, the Raiders uh, got the ball back, and they had two turnovers that gifted the Broncos 10 points. So had Judy caught the ball, the Broncos would have marched down and ate up uh, more clock, and the Broncos wouldn't have got the turnovers. You see, hear what I'm saying? The big drop, though, is by Albert O uh, on the last offensive play the Broncos had. About four minutes left to go in the game, and uh, he, he, had, he had to pivot and, and uh, catch the ball off his back shoulder, but it was right there, and he might have scored on that play, and boy, would that have been different for them. Against the Chargers, the Broncos, Fangio uh, and his defensive scheme has handled uh, Justin Herbert. Pat Sertan had a huge day against Herbert uh, at Empower Field coming off the bye a couple weeks ago. It was about a month ago now. And uh, Sertan had two interceptions, including a pick six. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater played um, adequately uh, in that game. And uh, the, the Broncos uh, uh, beat the Chargers uh, pretty handily. Um, Bridgewater's not playing in this game. I, I, I don't think he's going to play again this year. Uh, 
The only way he plays is if the Broncos uh, make the playoffs. Um, and if, if, if they're still alive after this week, in other words, if they beat the Chargers, Drew Locke beats the Chargers, and the Rams beat the Ravens, the Browns beat the Steelers, and the Titans uh, beat the Dolphins, all right? If all four of those things happen, Teddy may dress and may be activated next week. We'll have to see. He's still pretty deep into that uh, concussion protocol. But then the following week, this is what the Broncos have to do against the Chiefs. They have to beat the Chiefs, all right? Then the Steelers have to beat the Ravens. The Bengals have to beat the Browns. The Patriots have to beat the Dolphins. The Chargers have to beat the Raiders. All seven of those games that the Broncos need to fall their way, all of them very well could. Um, you know, of the seven, I think six of them um, will be uh, will be favored. I think the only one uh, that probably wouldn't be favored is the Steelers against the Ravens next week, not this week. Um, but uh, I, I would think the Ravens would be favored with Lamar Jackson coming back. But uh, again, the Broncos for the Chargers. Um, let's start there. Uh, Fangio, you know, I. I it, it's hard to gauge. I, on NineNews.com, I listed reasons why Vic should stay. Uh, number one, they're number one in scoring defense. Uh, number two, you have a new owner. If you change your head coach, does the new owner want, say, Doug Peterson? Does he want to inherit? You, you're going to hire the head coach first, right? You're going to hire Doug Peterson or Brian Dable or, or Kellen Moore, one of these offensive guys. And you're going to give them a five-year contract. That's what they're going to demand. And, uh, you know, at about $35 million, about $7 million a year, maybe more. Um, and then you hire the owner, Joe Ellis and the trustees, Slivka and Mary Kelly. They hire the owner starting in March, April, somewhere in there, May. And uh, does the new owner want to be saddled with uh, a five-year commitment with a head coach he didn't hire? You know, let's say, you know, three months into his ownership term, he can't stay in the head coach. <laughs> That's a tough deal. So those are a couple of reasons why you keep uh, Vic Fangio. If you want to keep him as a defensive coordinator, you can't fire him as a head coach. Uh, you can do some things uh, with the with the way the defense is. Give Vic a quarterback. Will he be a good head coach? Uh, give him a new offensive uh, coaching staff. Will he be uh, a better head coach? I do think there will be some conditions on Vic if he does come back. Namely, he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to make some significant changes to his uh, offensive assistance, and then reasons why uh, Vic shouldn't come back. Uh, basically, the bottom line, right? The bottom line, he's 19 and 28 uh, with two games to go. Um, you know, if the if you split here, he's going to have three losing seasons, and you know this is the NFL. It's a bottom line business. It's it's about results. And then the other thing is just get that offense going. You know, the Bron aren't we all tired of the Broncos' offense scoring 17 to 20 points a game for six straight years, which is what it's been. So, uh, you know, and, and it tends to be these offensive powerhouses in the NFL. Almost all of them have offensive-oriented head coaches. Andy Reid with the Chiefs. Uh, uh, Matt LaFleur with the Packers. Sean McVay with the Rams. Uh, Bruce Arians w with Tampa Bay. Um, you know, uh, in the past, it's uh, Sean Payton with the Saints. Now, the exception to that rule is um, Sean McDermott uh, with the um, Buffalo Bills, but he has 
arguably the best offensive coordinator of the game in Brian Dable, and uh, also a franchise quarterback in Josh Allen. Nothing overcomes a defensive head coach <laughs> like a great offensive coordinator and a franchise quarterback. So, And the Broncos, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's almost certain. I like Pat Shermer. I do not think it's his uh, fault necessarily. I think he can succeed under the, the right circumstances, but I do think uh, it's going to be tough for Pat Shermer uh, to stay on here in the 2022 season. And, uh, you know, I think there'll be other assistant coaches moving on, too. I think there'll be a substantial shakeup. First of all, if Fangio gets fired, pretty much they all get fired. That's the way it works. The new coach hires the staff, his own guys. Um, but if Fangio stays, I still think there'll be five or six changes on the, uh, off, on the uh, not, not just the offensive, but overall on the, on the coaching staff. So Broncos and Chargers this week in Los Angeles. COVID is running rampant through the Broncos building. All told, they've had uh, 27 players test positive in the last two and a half months, and uh, eight in their last two days. Basically, of those 27 players, <clears throat> all of them come back or are eligible to come back. Some are on IR, some are on the practice squad, but um, there's there's eight guys that, uh, that won't be there on Sunday because they tested positive too late into the week. They will not clear that five-day uh, quarantine um, period. So uh, that's it. Thank you to Malik Reed. Um, Broncos seven and eight, still got a sliver of a chance. Might as well pay attention one one more week. We've paid attention this far, and uh, then we'll wrap it up next week at this time uh, as the Broncos take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Broncos will go into that game with twelve consecutive losses over. Uh, over six years, six consecutive years, against the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll see if uh, actually if the if uh, the Titans uh, do win uh, against the Dolphins this week, it also will mean the Chiefs will have to play their best guys in that final game to for the number one seed, which is worth playing for. So um, you know the Broncos, it's you know. They're going to have to beat the Chiefs at full strength in order for this. If they're going to wind up in the playoffs, they're going to need the Titans to beat the Dolphins and force the Chiefs to play their best players. And then the Broncos are going to have to beat the Chiefs with their best players in order to make the playoffs. It's very slim, less than 5%. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Thanks again to Malik Reed. Thanks to you, Broncos country, for tuning in to Kliss's Mic Drop. And we'll see you again next week.